please accept our apologies, but due to technical difficulties, we have lost 11 minutes of audio from the podcast starting at 26 minutes. That 11 minutes has been cut off from this podcast. Your words and uh, that we would, your Holy Spirit would teach us. We know that we can't take anything away from this and really unless your Holy Spirit really does the work in us. We, we invite that to happen to us this morning. God, take away the distractions. Help us, God, to focus on you and your word in your son's name. Amen. All right. Well, first, before we jump in, many of you know um, what I do every week is I, I have about five or six or seven questions that I write out that really this is what the men's Bible study and the morning adult class goes through. But I know some of you pick them up. I have them available in the back. They're all they're Now they're going to be on that little coffee, t- on the little uh, bar table, whatever that thing is back there, the little silver table. But these are, you don't necessarily need these notes for the sermon. If you want to take them home afterwards, uh, grab them. They're just questions to help you reflect further um, on the service. So. so, well, I don't know how many of you remember this. Back in 1979, those of you in the back probably don't remember a whole lot of 1979. Back in 1979, my senior year of high school, I remember that Bob Dylan came out with an album that really was shocking. It was called Slow Train Coming. Anybody remember that album at all, Slow Train Coming? Um, and on it, it, what it was, it was, it was songs reflecting really his newfound Christian faith. He became very, very outspoken about his Christian faith. Uh, and one, really one of the most popular songs on that album was a song that was called You Gotta Serve Somebody. That's right. You Gotta Serve Somebody. And that just became I mean, it became, actually, I think it was kind of his last really big hit, that he, international hit that he had. Uh, Gotta Serve Somebody, in which he sings about the fact that no matter who you are, no matter what station in life you are, you ultimately got to serve somebody. I want to show you just the, the chorus that he just repeats so many times. He says, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes. I know some of you are getting the gravelly, the gravelly voice is coming. I'll do it. I'll, I'll got to serve. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> he says, you got to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord but you're going to have to serve somebody. And that became a mantra, I remember back then. Many Christians, of course, whenever we, someone from the secular world that was famous and popular came to Christ, we latched onto that, especially back in the 70s when there wasn't a whole lot of stuff to latch onto in the music world. Uh, but it was, so it was fantastic. Really what Bob Dylan is saying in this song is that in life, really we all end up ultimately serving or trusting in something or somebody to, that we believe will ultimately provide for our needs. We all get to that place. I mean, that somebody can be like a spouse or a partner, boyfriend, girlfriend, a boss, or just a friend that we rely on for security. Um, something, it could be your reputation. It could be our success. That's what we rely on to keep us secure. Our wealth, our possessions, a very American thing. That's where we find our security. What it really gets down to is what we value or treasure the most will ultimately capture our hearts and cause us to trust in that to ultimately provide 
for our needs. Well, the passage we're coming to this week as we continue on in our study in Matthew this morning is it talks about this. It speaks directly to what we value or treasure ultimately is what we will put our trust in to meet our needs. It's this, this passage is going to speak of how what we trust in directly determines, really, our level of worry and anxiety over having our needs met. It's a very practical passage. So let's look first. Let's look what Jesus has to say about what and where our treasure is. We're in Matthew chapter 6, chapter six verse 19 to 24, okay? Let's first look at verses 19 and 20, though, okay? Here's what he says in 19 and 20. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up your, for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Now to lay up, or in some of your versions, to store up refers to really the energy that we give that goes into accumulating or striving for something, okay? I'm going to store that up. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to really use my energy to get that. And in this case, the energy is going to accumulating or striving after treasure, Okay, things that we value or put our trust in to meet our needs. I mean, treasures are something that we attribute a lot of value and a lot of worth to. Treasure, if, if we see treasure would be something that we would say something like, you know what, if I had that, everything would be good. If I had that, things would be really going well. That's what it means to strive and we always think that, we're, as Christians, we think, oh, I don't strive after things of the world. Well, I think we've got to be careful here. We've got to be really careful about this whole idea of treasure. Now, in these verses, to lay up treasure in earth specifically refers to putting our trust and security in wealth and possessions. Okay? That's what he's talking about here. Jesus is talking about how we put our, where we get our sense of, okay, things are going to be okay, due to the wealth and possessions that we have, okay? Things like cars or a home or a retirement plan, okay? Basically, the, all the things that material comforts that can be, that wealth and money can buy. That's what he's talking about in this passage. This isn't about luxury. Don't be thinking now I'm talking only to the people that make well over 200K a year. I'm not. This goes to everybody here, okay? It's not about luxury, Jesus isn't against having nice cars. It's not about, it's about, about nice retirement plan. The issue here is trusting in things to provide what we need for security more than fully trusting God to provide security. Jesus calls them treasure on earth here because none of them last beyond this life. Okay, they're treasures on earth because once we're gone, they're done. That old preacher thing where they say in the back, there's no, you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, it's, all, it's all here. This is where your treasures is done. It's done here. Jesus calls them because they don't last beyond this life. And the problem, Jesus says here with earthly treasures, is that they're susceptible to both physical deterioration, deterioration and theft. They're temporal they, be, they can be taken away from us in an instant. Well, conversely, what he says here is treasures in heaven are not susceptible to deterioration or theft. 
They're things that endure forever. They will last in eternity. Treasures in heaven have eternal value. They're things like, and we're wondering, what, is, what does it mean? What, is, what, is etern- what are things that have eternal value? Well, they're things like showing love for God through our, our obedience to him. It's showing forgiveness. It's showing grace, love, and mercy, and justice to people in his name. Those are the things that last forever. It's hard to wrap, I know it's hard to wrap our heads around this eternal treasure thing. But the Bible, especially the New Testament, speaks so much. And even in Matthew, we're going to see so much more about what the significance of treasures in heaven. Micah 6.8 gives us this. It's really helpful here. I love this verse. It says, he has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That is a great focus. You want to know what eternal treasures are? That is what eternal treasure is. What Jesus is saying here is that instead of viewing wealth and possessions as a means of providing what we need, we're to instead view God as our sole source of security and provision. Instead of accumulating or striving after things like houses or cars or success or material possessions or comfort, we're to focus instead on the things of eternal value, like our obedience to the Lord and selflessly giving and serving in Christ's name with the things that we do have. We have treasures on earth. That's okay. Use them for his glory. That's what he's saying. Use them in ways that will end up, that will be, that turn that earthly treasure into eternal treasure. And we can do that all the time. Now, as I said, there's nothing wrong with having wealth or nice things. Jesus isn't saying that at, at all. Or it's no, not wrong with getting ready for retirement and having all that said. That's fine in order to take care of ourselves and to take care of other people. The problem that Jesus is going to start addressing here is that when we rely on those things to provide us with security, that's why he starts off with this warning in this next part here. Verse 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I know if you've been in church for a month, you've heard this verse a thousand times. But Jesus, what, why Jesus is saying is because he knows that even with our best intentions, wealth and, imp- and, and possessions will impact our heart more than our heart impacts how we handle wealth and possessions. Did you hear that? The reality, Jesus knows that about us. He knows that even at our best, having wealth and having possessions, not, I'm ta- not talking about a ton, but wealth and it's easy to rely on what we've sought after it's easier to rely on that and, and our heart gets impacted instead of the other way around. Notice that Jesus does not say, and this is where people kind of get messed up. He doesn't say that where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. I think people get that kind of mixed up. It's not that we put our treasure towards things that we value the most. That's what people end up doing. This is what I value. This is where my treasure is going to say. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that wealth and possessions or even the desire for them can hijack our heart, which is the very seat of our being, 
so that we become, we become reliant on them for our sense of security. Because the reality is that our heart will always, well, heart will always follow what we treasure. Our heart will always follow what we treasure. And Jesus knows that. That's why he's giving us these warnings here. In other words, if we value security that comes with our wealth, I value the security that's in my home, or I value the security I have this nice car or this retirement plan or just making sure all my ducks in a row financially, if that, which are all okay things, Jesus said. But if that's where I put my value and that's where I'm going to put my priorities then, and that's where my energy is going to go. And that's where my heart is going to go, to things that are temporal and to things that are elusive. Well, Jesus goes on to illustrate how important our perspective is on all this. Look at verses 22 and 23. Look what he says. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? What a bizarre passage. Yeah, it's straight up. This just sounds so, what does that mean? Remember, Jesus does all, talks a lot, talks differently. He uses hyperbole a lot, exaggeration. He uses body parts to talk about things. Really, what's he talking about here? Well, what he is, these verses are saying is that prioritizing earthly treasure over treasures in heaven, what that can do is it can, can cloud our perspective on the way that we see everything. Everything, not just little things, not just wealth, but everything. The enemy of our soul really will do anything and everything possible to get our focus off of God and things of eternal value. Now, the use of this, he uses his imagery of light and darkness. What he's talking about here is spiritual health. Figuratively speaking, what's he saying? what he's saying is if the eye is healthy, it is clear to see, it is clear and it is free and able to see that all that God wants it to see. It's clear to see that God is our sole provider and wealth is something to be used for his glory. When I, when I, my, my, okay, I'm seeing it. Okay, I get it. I'm not, I'm not held captive by this stuff. I use it for his glory. That's what it means that the eye is clear. But if your eye is bad, that means that your perspective is darkened and you see wealth and you see possessions as ultimately what provide for your security which we're going to see in a few minutes, has huge implications. These verses point out to us that the reality is how our spiritual, we get spiritually disoriented when we look at things like this. When we, when we focus on what we need, the things that we need, and we feel like we need these things, we're going to focus, our, our, our perspective is going to get cloudy. It's going to, we're not going to, unable to see the things around us. We're not going to be able to see the needs of people around us. We're not going to be able to, even these earthly treasures that God has given us to be able to bless others and to honor him, we're not even going to be able to see them. I mean, think of how many times, I don't we couldn't even imagine how many times God has blessed us with something, even something materially with the purpose of, us using that or a portion of that to bless somebody else and to honor him. I can't fathom how many times that probably happens to all of us that we've given things, but our first inclination, our sinful inclination is, ooh, that'll help with 
patting this, and okay, we'll be good. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with making sure we got the retirement plan good and we got the vacation savings going. That's not bad. That's not wrong. But he's saying when our security is in that, when our first thing we think of, oh, I got a bonus. But first thing I think of, oh, this came, or this tax return, the first thing we think of, how can I use this for myself? What that means, that shows where our treasure is. And what's going to follow? Our heart. Our heart's going to follow that. That's how it works. That's what Jesus is saying. And if anything, I'm saying these things, I'm talking to myself here. I'm the same way. I find, I find money on the street. I find five bucks on the street. My first inclination is how can I bless someone with this? I'm thinking Starbucks or something, you know, that's where I go. And not that that's not evil or wrong, but that just goes to show how, oh, okay. Or my wife is the queen. I mean, the queen of finding money on the street. <laughs> she, I, see what I, you know, it's amazing. She goes on a walk. I'm trying to study for my sermon this week. And one morning she went for a walk and I'm bing, bing, bing. I'm getting these, I found a dollar. I found 50 more cents. I found 30. It's just She's got, she's like one of those, you know, those little dee dee, whatever those things are. She's like the human version of that. Okay. So I just say that because that's fun to know that, hey, we get stuff. But you know what? How often do we think of when we come across stuff and God blesses us and God allows us to have stuff, which golly, as Americans, we're ridiculously wealthy. But we're like, ooh, this is tough. Things are tight. The truth is that when all this happens, we're unable to see, like I said, the needs of those around us. And we come, believe it or not, we become miserly and stingy. Yes, I called you that. I called myself that. Because we naturally go that we become kind of stingy and miserly instead of generous and sincere people. That's where our flesh wants to lead us. So that's why he's saying, don't lay up treasures. Don't seek it. Don't let that be what you find your security in. Well, finally, Jesus addresses the crux really of our struggle. And here it is, trying to serve two masters. Because this is what is really happening here. We're working our darndest to serve two masters. Look at what he says in verse, just in verse 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. All right, here Jesus, what he's addressing is really something that plagues so many of us as followers of Jesus, trying to prioritize and value both heavenly treasures and earthly treasures at the same time. It seems like it's tough, seems so often it's a tough balancing act. The reality is that both of these things demand full allegiance. Earthly treasures, heavenly treasures, they're gonna, they demand full allegiance. Not, neither one will allow the other to be fully the master. Because when we push comes to shove, especially in hard times, especially in crisis, out of love for one master, what are we gonna do? We'll begin to really resent the other one. That's what's going to happen. It's just natural. It has to happen that way. We'll begin to resent them. You see, we're told that we're to love God with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all of our mind, and with our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. You see, if we value, though, wealth 
and possessions. Like I said, not being uber rich, but we just value being the security that comes from having all of our financial and possession ducks in a row. That what was going to happen is the more than God, we will value them more than God will not only be impossible to serve him and, and to serve others, but it's going to be a source of big time frustration. And I really think that gets to the crux of a lot of Christians and what we struggle with our walk with God is we're trying to toe that line of having our treasures in heaven and really grasp valuing those and also valuing, valuing the treasures of earth and finding security in, in that. And that's a tough line to try to, to, try to, to do both. You just can't. It's, you're you're going to be frustrated. You are going to be so frustrated. And pretty soon Christianity, why does Christianity seem so boring to so many Christians? This is one of the reasons right here. Why does it seem so irrelevant to so many people? Because trying to straddle is impossible. You try to value both, you're going to be in this constant tug of war. That's what Jesus is saying here. What this tells us is that God is seeking singular focus for our affections. Something that is so difficult, especially where we live in the Bay Area, one of the most expensive places to live in the world to live here, just to pay your rent or to pay your mortgage or your property tax for crying out loud. So that's always on our mind, isn't it? We're always thinking about that. We're always thinking about what if, what if, what if. And that's so natural. That's why Jesus is saying, know where your treasure is found. Know where you're going to be seeking your treasure. You see, Jesus knows that the more we value or treasure things of this world, the more we are going to worry about them. That's just a fact. The more we treasure them, the more we worry about them. What's going to happen? Am I going to have enough? Or am I going to lose it? Is it going to go away? Is it going to be enough? Oh, that's just, that's just natural. He knows this. But also he knows that the more that we value and treasure God, and the more that we invest in his purposes and his kingdom, believe it or not, the more we will trust him to provide for our needs. Doesn't sound, sounds like kind of like, okay, wait a second. I mean, I give and I trust and I let it go and I'll be able to feel more at ease. Yes. That's what he's saying here. Uh, that's why in this next section in verses 25 to 34, Jesus teaches us the importance of not being anxious or worrying about material needs being met. Okay? He goes, to, he goes what he's going to do is give us four reasons why we should not be anxious concerning whether our material needs will be met. First one's found in verse 25. It says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. God, understand that these are, this, this whole thing is linked to what we just talked about. And I know that because like I always just tell people, and I, said, said, I think I've said it here before, it starts off with the word, therefore. And you know what they say, whenever you see the word therefore, you need to ask, what's it there for? Exactly. So he's linking these things together. He's saying, what he's saying is, therefore, as you treasure God 
and trust him to provide for all of your needs. You don't need to be anxious or worry. You don't need to worry and think that God doesn't care and that he won't provide all that you need. He actually says it three times here. Verse 25, he says it. Verse 31 and verse 34, he says it. Do not be anxious. And he's saying it because he knows he just told us if you trust in heavenly treasures and trust in God more to meet your needs and not rely on those heavenly treasures, worry and anxiety will be lessened, if not go away. What he's saying here is that it is unwise. That's the first thing. It is unwise to be anxious or worry concerning whether our needs will be met because he wants us to know. And I, this is something I really learned for the first time studying this week. He wants us to know that life is about so much more than that. Life is about so much more than just having our basic needs met. You see, when our life is dominated by anxiety and by worry about material provision, we miss out on and are robbed of the more that he's talking about, the more that God has for us as we experience his reign and his rule in our lives. It's what we've been talking about this whole series in Matthew. The more is this overwhelming joy and this peace and this power that comes with a life that is dominated and dominated by, and it's focused on this reign and this rule of God in our hearts and in our lives. The more, the more are these eternal things that have eternal value that God is just wanting to just, just lob at us like crazy that so often we miss because we're worried, what's going to happen? What if? That's what we've been talking about this whole time. It really is. So look at what I want to look at. Look at First uh, Timothy chapter 6. Really, it kind of helps us with it. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with that, we will be content. See, even that kind of a simple... Please accept our apologies, but due to technical difficulties, we have lost 11 minutes of audio from the podcast starting at 26 minutes. That 11 minutes has been cut off from this podcast. Remember this, <laughs> treasuring God, <laughs> just making sure you're awake back there, more than anything, Seeking him first, to focus our treasure on him, knowing that the results of that, this is what's so fun about this, the result of treasuring God above everything else will be the recognition of God's provision for our every need. See how that works? When we recognize that God is in complete control, when we recognize that we treasure him more than anything, I remember when I got my first car, my first car was, um, or my second car, First car, my first and second car were awesome. They were amazing cars. Actually, my wife, oh, that's a bad story. Um, she, she had seen me around town before we met. She didn't like me because she saw my car. But um, she had judged me. But I had a hot rod type of car, and then I had a Volkswagen that had been completely gutted, changed, nitrous. I mean, it was like this amazing, everybody wanted to see it, race me and all that stuff. But I remember 
This is also a time in my life when God was really actually taking control of my life and really was doing some amazing things, pruning me. I remember getting that car and sitting in it just going, oh my gosh. I mean, the whole thing of the gut and taking the Tijuana and crushed velvet, racing. I mean, everything. I'm patient. It was amazing. But I remember, I wasn't thinking about this first, but God put it on my heart to say, you know what? Basically, I can easily begin to treasure this car as something that this is where I get my satisfaction from. My need is being met because I have an awesome car that people recognize. So I remember the first night I had to get on my knees and give that car to God. Because this is not mine. This is not my car. Because it could easily become a treasure and then my heart Will go, that's where my energy, I'm not saying I didn't spend a lot of time cleaning it and making it look good. I'm just saying where my heart went. It means making this whole thing, making God's kingship and authority a priority in our lives. To live under His kingship, live under His direction and His rule. And you guys that are young back there, you guys are young anywhere, this is a wonderful time to be able to start thinking this way because this is a good habit to start when you're young because it gets a lot harder when you're older. When you're upset, and this is where I'm satisfied. When you're young and you start to and you start to invite God into your life and say, God, help me to treasure what you treasure. Help me to treasure eternal things. And to not be so concerned about earthly things, which my young self is telling me is the most important thing. Help me, God. The payoff of that will be huge. I mean, huge. As you discipline yourself to think that way. Because this verb that he says, seek, seek here implies this persevering, even a strenuous effort to obtain something. It's not like seek first his kingdom. Okay, that means think about God when I wake up in the morning, or think about God every once in a while. No, it means strenuously working hard to push through the junk of our life and seek God and let him have control of our lives. This means that. There's an ongoing, constant effort on our part to give God priority in our every single area of our lives. And this is not natural for us. That's why we need to stay consistent in God's Word. We need to be involved with other believers. We need to be involved in situations with other believers that challenge us and encourage us to persevere in our faith and not get hooked on this other stuff. So... Jesus concludes this, his conclusion in verse 34, is based really on everything he said here. Look at verse 34, our last verse, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What this verse does, it points out the pointlessness of anticipating tomorrow's needs after we have asked God to provide for our needs for today. Our focus is to be on the grace and the mercy that God has provided for us today and not demand to have that grace and that mercy for tomorrow now. God, give me the grace and the mercy to not worry about things tomorrow. No, give me the grace and the mercy to give you everything today. Because His mercies are new every morning. I love this. One of my favorite passages, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Lamentations chapter 3 says this, the steadfast 
love it. We were young, we grew up in church, you sang this song, and we sang choruses. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That's where our minds need to be. So where is your treasure? Who do you trust? Because the truth is that we trust what we treasure. And treasuring God more than anything else enables us to trust Him to provide. Treasuring wealth or possessions for our security will inevitably lead to worry and anxiety. That's what Jesus is telling us here. So how do we avoid this? How do I wrap this up here? last minute or two. How do we avoid the anxiety and worry that comes with treasuring or valuing the things of this world? Especially wealth and possessions. You know, I came up with two things. I'm sure there's plenty, but here's two things. First one is, is, to, one is to make a habit of looking back at God's faithfulness. Make a habit of taking the time to regularly look back at how incredibly faithful God has been in the past when you trusted Him to provide for your material needs. It's a great way to remember. My wife and I, we do that regularly. We think back. We were just talking about the other night. Remember that day when groceries showed up on our porch when we had no money left? You know, things like that. We're thinking, oh, thank you, God, or just took care of us. The other way is this. The other way is by committing to a lifestyle of generosity and sacrificial giving. Dave Curtis in his announcement, he would love this. Commit to this. You see, when we give, not out of our abundance, not because, oh, I got more, or not because of all this extra, now I can give. That's not the point, he said. We give, but out of what we have because we believe that God wants us to give. And that we trust that He will provide for us. That's when we demonstrate our deep trust in Him. So easy to give out of our surplus, isn't it? I'm so generous. I mean, we get a lot of time on famous people. Like everybody like, I gave a million dollars. We got 5,000 billion jillion back there. Don't toot your horn about that. We didn't do that either. God said, Give. When I ask you to give, when the Holy Spirit prompts you to give, give. Of your possessions, of your wealth. That's what he's getting at here. Trusting that he will provide for you. Man, that just shows that you're growing in your deep trust in him. Really, what we have in these verses today is a call to a deeper trust in our Heavenly Father who listens, who cares, and is at work drawing us closer to himself and his glorious life of obedience. May we learn more and more to treasure God more than anything else. Because the truth is only He can provide everything that we need. Let's pray. Father God, thank You that You are a good, good Father. That You give us everything we need. Forgive us, Father, for treasuring the things of this world, for storing up treasure, for finding our sense of security in the fact that the things that we have or the, the, what we've amassed or what, however we've done it, 
God, help us to treasure you more than anything else so that we can in turn trust you to provide everything we need. In your son's name.